So thanks very much for for taking the time to come on the podcast. No problem. It's good to be here. How are you, Yasmin? I'm okay. How are you? Very good. Um, bit, I think the weather is a little bit different than uh, what you probably have at the moment. Oh, it's ridiculously warm here today. Super sunny, so. No, we don't. We definitely don't have any of that. <coughs> no, there's like flooding in the streets here. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, it's the usual summer. Um, Yasmin, why don't you kind of give us a, a little bit of rundown of of uh, who you are, maybe just in case people don't know. But I'd have probably a good idea. I'd say most people listening to the podcast would have a good idea. Okay, so uh, basically, I am a Maltese weightlifter um, who was the first mm, weightlifting uh, athlete to go to the bigger weightlifting competitions, including Europeans and Worlds. I've also been to all the multi-event games, like the Commonwealth Games, uh, Universal Games, and also the Mediterranean Games. So the only one on the list left is basically the Olympic Games. And um, I basically find out in around a month if that's happening. Um, yes, so that's, that's basically me. What are the what are the chances of the Olympics happening? <clears throat> is it feasible? Well, for me in particular, so I am I am trying out for the tripartite commission place, which is almost like the invitation place in the other sport. Um, except we kind of had to also try qualify for that that place, and it's only for the countries uh, that have a smaller. A population, I believe there might be some other regulations that go into it, but mostly it's like smaller countries around the world. And there's four places for the women, four places for the men in total, so not in any particular weight class. Um, the whole way that it works is um, super complicated. Uh, obviously, automatic uh, qualifiers get priority, and then host country gets the next priority, and then it's us. So the chances are slim, no matter how great you are. Um, but I mean, I've been training as if I'm, I'm preparing for the Olympic Games regardless, just in case. Do you, <clears throat> is there a lifting criteria that you need for that spot? Or is it just, is there kind of other things outside of your placing at internationals that decides that? Well, uh, number-wise, no, they never gave like a criteria like for that. However, you have you would have needed to compete at, I believe, a silver event, um, and there were some type of like qualifying criteria for those to even compete at. I don't know if you know, but like if you go to Worlds, you can't just have a, a hundred kilo quota, let's say, in the sixty-four and go to Worlds. There, there is like a it's not a it's not a crazy number, but there is definitely an amount that you need to be lifting. Um, the way they select the athletes, however, I think uh, they'll obviously select athletes that are kind of in the mix, maybe not medal worthy, of course, um, but um, not too far off of what everyone else is lifting. So I, I don't know exactly how they'll be choosing the athletes, but. Um, yeah, I mean, most of the time, whenever you see, even in, in the Rio Olympics, uh, people who went there with the with the invitation were a bit far off from from the other <clears throat> athletes. But I mean, the aim is, if I do get the place, the aim would be to kind of do the best I can. Yeah. So. yeah. Is there anything you can do in the meantime to influence that, or just keep training like you're you're going to get to the Olympics and just hope for the best? Well. 
um, nothing else can be done at the moment. So um, the decision making process has been done. We, we had to compete in two qualifying um, competitions to kind of be in the mix. I competed in around eight of them. So um, will that convince them anymore? <laughs> I don't think it works that way, but no, I think it's, everything's been done now. It's just a waiting. It's just, just a matter of waiting for the selection to be done now. So Yasmin, all those competitions in the last few years, what have your last two years looked like in terms of how often you're competing and how often you'd have to take a break from training to go and compete and then come back? Yeah, so, well, last year was quite dead in general uh, because of the, obviously, the whole situation. Um, I didn't compete. I think I only managed to compete once in the beginning, no, twice, sorry, in the beginning of the year. However, um, before that, so when the qualifiers were going on and on, um, I barely got a break, mostly because I was relatively new to the sport. So I started in 2016. And so immediately threw myself into maybe trying to get the... So I was competing straight like from the beginning. Yeah, so basically I didn't really have time for a break in terms of I, I, there was always so much technical work to be done. So I spent a lot of time going from uh, country to country, trying to get the best coaching possible from other national teams. Not because I wasn't getting great coaching here, because I was, but just because it was a team of mostly just one, just me. And my coach in Malta knew that that was never going to get me too far especially being such a new athlete. So he did his best to get me opportunities to train abroad. And, and I did that for, for, you know, ever since I started until last year when obviously we couldn't travel as much. Um, but yeah, so I, I basically went from competition to training camp, competition to training camp, maybe came back home for a few days here and there. But that was mostly how I tried to get um, better in the sport as fast as I could. And how did you start weightlifting? What made you start in 2016? Yes, yeah, so basically I was uh, at university doing a bachelor's degree in mathematics and statistics. And I found myself just sitting down all day. And one of um, the guys in the class uh, suggested we go do a CrossFit class after our, our lectures because we were getting super lazy. So we went to this CrossFit class together. Um, Within like uh, two months, I used to just go to the classes that had Olympic weightlifting movements, nothing else. Like if it had running, I would not show up. That's a good and sign. The, yeah, so the coach there just obviously <clears throat> noticed what I was doing and just said, why don't you just do weightlifting? And I had no idea that that was a sport, honestly. I had no idea that you could do Olympic weightlifting like as a sport on its own. So basically, I kind of discovered it through CrossFit. Uh, approached the national team coach for weightlifting um, and that's basically it I, I was hooked right from the start as soon as I started lifting uh, I was just about to graduate from university so I got my got my bachelor's degree and then never even looked for a job or anything to do with, with what I studied and just threw myself into lifting twice a day every day ever since 
And so Yasmin, you were obviously fairly talented when you started. Like the coaches in the CrossFit gym or in the national team obviously noticed something. What were your numbers like or was your technique really good just when you started? Okay, so I wouldn't say my technique's very good, was very good. I wouldn't say it's still very good now. It's definitely improved a lot. Um, but I think what, what was really like um, my strength was my strength. So I've always been a very strong person. So I did a lot of sports growing up as well. And that's something that was always uh, the, the biggest thing about me was that I could lift a lot. I could squat a lot. I was just stronger than, than uh, usually the people around me. And when I did CrossFit uh, for those few months, I would already be back squatting 120, front squatting 100. Um, but I could only snatch around 45. I could clean 70, which was like a, a massive number back then for someone who wouldn't, who wasn't doing any lifting. Um, but yes, within the year then, I think I, I managed to increase those numbers quite a bit. But I think that's what, that was, uh, that is what was most impressive towards the coach here yeah. in Walter. He, he could tell that I was just naturally very strong and that we could build on that. Do you, um, do you want to tell us a bit about your coach? Was he a lifter himself or did he, did he kind of come into weightlifting later in life? Or? Yeah, so um, my coach's name is uh, Jesmond Carwana and he is, uh, anyone in the weightlifting community, um, especially in the in, like, International Weightlifting Federation, know him very well just because of his um, in, insane passion towards the sport. He was a weightlifter himself, never um, at a professional type level, never at a super competitive level. He was always very interested in the coaching and the organizational part of the sport. Uh, he, he, in fact, is national team coach, but also the president of our Maltese Weightlifting Association. And he's also, he also forms part of the executive committee of the European Federation, and I believe vice president of the Commonwealth, um, Commonwealth Association. So he's very involved in the sport, not only for the, not at all for the titles, but really just incredibly passionate about um, the sport in general. So um, like I said, he did everything, absolutely everything possible to kind of get me out of the country like he, he saw my passion and wanted to match it and did everything he could to make me better than i was um of course he could have just kept me here and kind of coached me himself but um he he, he always tried his best to kind of just get me the best opportunities and to be fair i mostly got most of those opportunities because of um just how well he knows uh the weight of things world basically so he knew exactly where to uh, send me and what coaches to to get help me with my technique and stuff like that so Yasmin when you were going abroad say in the first year or first two years what were the differences you'd see between the training you'd done in Malta or with your your old coach or your current coach and the training you do in different countries so the the differences are are massive and um I think coming just uh, coming back fresh from another training camp, I, I definitely appreciate that type of life even more now because I don't think you can truly appreciate 
their facilities and the, the way they train unless you've actually experienced it yourself. So uh, I'll talk about Romania because that's the most recent uh, place I've been to. However, I've also been to uh, Italy and I trained there uh, on three separate occasions for several weeks at a time. And they share a very similar structure. So basically, um, you know, the, the main thing I would describe it as is I feel like royalty when I'm at a training camp just because the only thing I am expected to do is train, eat, and sleep. And that is with no exaggeration. I'm expected to do absolutely nothing else. So in Malta, I live in the very north part of Malta, and my gym is in the very south end of Malta. Malta's tiny, so this isn't a big deal, but it still takes around half an hour to get there. And if you train twice, that's a total of two hours in the car just to get to and from training. And uh, when you're in a place where they have their own Olympic center and you're living in the facilities where the gym is, you've gained two hours of your day, which is a huge amount of time that I honestly spent every single day as a nap. Like I've napped two hours every single day. No joke. It, it was just incredible to get that extra recovery in just because I'm not driving to and from training. Plus the facilities have stuff like saunas and uh, cryotherapy, ice baths, uh, a masseur or a physio that's constantly with you, not like even during the session. So even if I felt a bit of a back, like a, a back muscle ache while I'm squatting, I'll get something done then and there between my sets, not wait until my session's done, call up someone, drive there, explain to them, you know, just these little things that make a massive difference just for, uh, mentally so mentally i was just not stressing out about what needs to be done and for my recovery even more than anything else because i was sleeping so much i was getting sauna creo massages done on the daily like no joke every single day something was being done to help me recover and it's just everything is just there around you and i cannot explain how great it is to just live in a place that has absolutely everything you would possibly need as an athlete. So more than anything, I think that is the, the recipe to make great athletes. Do you, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people would appreciate that. You know, a lot of amateur lifters can definitely appreciate the fact that, you know, that it's, it's um, you know, a lot of people don't have any hopes for any kind of international competitions like you would, but they can definitely appreciate the difference all that stuff makes, you know? Do you want to talk us through some of the stuff, maybe the technical stuff the Italian team worked on you with? Because I think, uh, I know when the Europeans are on and stuff, a lot of people <clears throat> ask about the Italian technique and their training because they do seem to be coming up an awful lot as a new European team. So do you want to give us some of the details they might have worked on with you? So, um, definitely every, every team I would have trained with have very like different cues. I would say all in all, they all aim for the same things uh, in terms of, let's say, with my own technique, um, I have very um, prominent mistakes. So they would all kind of uh, detect that same mistake. However, the way they approach it, the cues that they use, 
uh, was very different, let's say uh, Italians versus uh, the Romanians. Um, I think when I was in Italy, the, the main issue was speed under the bar. And that was all we spoke about when I was there, how fast I'm going to get under the bar. And um, that's mostly what he would constantly um, kind of call out at me to kind of get faster under, especially in uh, the snatch and also in the jerk. So in this, and this is uh, one of the main differences in the two main countries that I trained in is that when I was in Italy, we would definitely talk about, you know, uh, driving the bar up as, as, powerful, as um, powerful as you could. However, the main focus was to get really fast under and if you need to kind of just get low under the bar. Um, whereas in Romania, um, we would really focus on the drive and that's it. Like don't get under the bar, almost get it as high as possible and almost catch as high as possible. And you can definitely see that in their athletes um, jerks where they exaggerate that push so much. So um, I wouldn't say there is like anything else that was very particular to the Italians per se. Um, but yes, speed is definitely something they really focus on uh, more than anything else. And Yasmin, when you go to those countries, is your coach coming with you or does your training plan go with you? Or do you uh, uh, kind of yeah, just so, hand yourself over? Yeah. So basically, um, like I said, my coach is not just a coach here. He's, he has so many responsibilities that it is not possible for him to come with me. Okay. Um, so I'm mostly just like literally just like handed off to a different country. Um, used to be super scary at first because I, I was not a very social human being. I kind of learned to get over that. Um, and yes, regarding the programming, the first training camp I went to, I used my own programming and just kind of trained at the same time as... Um, the other athletes. So the first training camp I went to was in Italy and uh, I trained in uh, their complex Esercito, which is their uh, army complex basically. And I used my own program and I just trained at the same time as the other athletes. And it turned out not as um, great as I hoped, just because it just, it just felt like I was doing something on the side. And they did their best to help me, don't get me wrong. They, the coaches were constantly on me, trying to help me fix mistakes and whatever. But it's very uh, hard to do that when you're not part of the team. You're not yeah. doing what the rest of the team is doing. So the next training camp I went to, I asked my coach if it would be okay with him if I used their programming. Obviously, um, they would know what competitions are coming next. They would know what my usual training is like so that they could adapt certain things. Um, and it just worked out so much better. And this was also in Italy. And it, it just worked out a lot better. So every time I went to train, then in Italy, I, I kept doing that, um, using their programming. And then um, since I went to Romania, I've kind of been using their type of programming now, even now that I'm back. So, um, Constantine, the, the coach, uh, Lordiana's coach, will uh, send me my programming and I'll do it here. And then hopefully if I go back very soon, I'll just continue that programming there as well. 
And so you got um you got an opportunity recently when you were in Romania to train with Toma, right? What was that like? Yeah, so I actually went there two years ago as well. So I trained with her before. Um, in fact, this time was a lot easier for me mentally because I wasn't going to a completely new country with a completely new team, like I already knew. Um, Loredana herself and the coach and a few of the other athletes. I get asked about uh, Loredana a lot, which is to be expected. I mean, she is one of the most, probably looked up to athletes in weightlifting, especially female weightlifting. Um, a lot of people expect me to say that um, she's super quiet and she doesn't say a word. A lot of people generally expect, always ask me like, does she even speak? Because I, I think people just assume she's just so serious all the time because that's what you see like on her videos. But she is literally the, she's like um, super, talkative just not with every single person like you have to get to know her and then she'll be super uh, chill and, and she'll joke around and um i think the best thing about her though and something that unfortunately i didn't expect either was how insanely humble she is and i initially thought i'd be embarrassed to snatch next to her because i mean my max attempt is basically something she can probably do a set of five with. And um, she really never made me feel like I was um, not as capable as her kind of thing. She was, she's always really nice. And she'd actually try coach me through certain things as well. Let's say if I didn't completely understand the coach, she would come next to me and be like, he's telling you to do this and this. You understand? Like, let me see. Go on, do it. Like, and she'll literally just stay with me and coach me through a set as well. And then she'll congratulate me when I got a PR and she'd be genuinely happy for me. And it's, it's something I did not completely expect just because, you know, she is European champion. I think she probably has one of the world's leading snatch numbers at the moment in the world in the 64 kilo category so I would have never expected her to be like that it's it's weird to say it's just she's someone so incredibly big in my head like I would have never expected it but she's such a nice nice person genuinely nice person and I really enjoyed her company I think everyone when they uh, when they ask a question about an athlete everyone is looking for like the piece of drama you know everyone wants like the, the funny story but yeah. it's, it's good when it comes back and it's um, not yeah no it's a, it's she is as weird as it sounds and and i guess obviously people would have expected me to say this but she is so normal like you she would be like anybody else she's just like you and me she is completely normal she can just snatch a lot more than me. <laughs> and the way she does it as well like the way she just loads up 105 kilos on the bar and just does a set of three snatches with it you just look at her and go are you joking like how do you randomly just yeah and think nothing of it you know she'll just drop the bar and be like okay as you go like, what do you mean what did you just do like that's ridiculous she did a set like when i was there she was we we're doing push presses and I push pressed 80 and I was quite content with it because I hadn't done it in a while. And she was filming me and sending it and, and sending me my slow-mos of my own push press and acting really like I did something special. And without even, un like, 
completely realizing she had 115 loaded on her bar, power things and push press it. And I'm just looking at her like, what are you on about? Why were we looking at me? Why was everyone looking at me and filming me when you have that on the bar? Like, it was ridiculous. I couldn't understand what was going on. But it's, she's just so relaxed. Like, she's just, she doesn't think anything of what she's doing. Yeah, it's yeah. great to watch. And I think that energy, I was only there for three weeks and I kept PRing random things. Like I, I squatted like never before in my life. I PR'd my snatch with just three weeks of technical work, which is unheard of. You know, PR'd my snatch double. Um, my clean and jerk was definitely much stronger. And this is just three weeks of work. And I definitely credit that not just to the, the coach, of course, he did so much work on my, my technique, but just being around that type of energy where she thinks nothing of what she's lifting. You know, if, you, if you're lifting, just lift it. Like, don't think much of it. Just go yeah. for it. I think that attitude really changed the way I train, where I kind of stopped thinking about the number and just think about the technique of how you're going to do it and just approach it like it's anything else. I think that definitely helps me a lot. Yasmin, you know when you talk about, like, the technical work and you spoke earlier about if the coach is explaining something and then maybe... Uh, like someone else might explain it to you afterwards. How does the language barrier work when you're going to different countries? Yes, yeah, so um, thankfully I can speak English, which means that, because um, of course we speak Maltese here, but most Maltese people can speak English very well. And most of the other countries can speak English very well. Um, the coach can speak basic English, so we communicate very well. And I think the thing with weightlifting is, even if you don't completely understand the words, just by him showing me something, like I can immediately understand what he's talking about. Um, but yes, I mean, in, in Romania, Loredana speaks great English, very, very fluent English. So if I didn't understand something, I would ask her and she'd immediately kind of translate it very quickly or... Or if I'm if I'm if I'm asking something and the coach doesn't understand me, then she'll she'll translate it. But all in all, um, the amount of English they know is good enough, definitely, yeah. to kind of coach and understand each other. Obviously, maybe not have a very very long in-depth conversation, but um, it it was it was not a problem at all. And it's also very similar. Their language is similar to Italian-ish. And I know a bit of Italian, so I, I manage. I'll just kind of get by, you know. Um, I'll try. I, I actually told Loredana I'm going to start learning Romanian um, on a, the Duolingo app so that when I'm there next, I can I can understand them a bit better as well. Do you, um, so you're there for three weeks recently. Um, did each week kind of have a template of the program? Did like Monday start with snatches and so on? Do you have a, do you want to give us a rundown of that maybe? Um, yeah, so we were given the program beginning of the week. Um, and there usually morning sessions are strength stuff. Um, it's usually always kind of alternating between back squat and front squat and clean pulls and, and snatch, snatch pulls. And we also do a lot of our accessory stuff in the morning. And then uh, afternoon sessions are always uh, Olympic lift. So snatching, clean and jerk. And sometimes we'll do also extra deadlifts as well. Um, but it was always 
let's say if this week is triples and doubles, most of the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday lists are almost identical, but then it would change week to week. So the structure is very similar week to week, except obviously the amount of reps and percentages will change here and there. And then let's say for myself, since I had certain weaknesses, he would make me do like extra stuff depending on those weaknesses. Um, let's say on one day we did, uh, I did power snatches from the hip just to kind of feel like um, the vertical jump because I don't extend as well. So I kind of tend to stay forwards when I snatch and not use the extension of my back entirely. So starting the lift from the hip, I, I kind of had to exaggerate that uh, use of the legs and the extension of the back. So that's something I, I would do extra. And I'd also do a lot of extra um, upper body stuff because that's where I'm lacking. So, yeah. What's the, what kind of exercise are you using at the moment for your upper body work? So um, I would probably do, he, he would actually write down for me so that I make sure to do it. Um, to do strict presses either from behind the neck or from the front rack every single day. Um, so that would be kind of like just a base exercise that I do every day, either with a narrow grip or a wider grip. But then just in general, upper body bodybuilding stuff, just to kind of strengthen my upper body. Just because if you had to compare my leg strength to my upper body strength, the ratios are incredibly off. So let's say I can back squat. I back squatted 150 there for a double, way too easy. And then I can strict press 50 kilos. So it's not a great ratio. So we're kind of trying to balance that out a bit. Um, but yeah, that's it. So I think maybe, you know, you've obviously got those great opportunities to go to Italy and Romania, and you've got those great connections with your coach. Is there a lot of support in general from the Maltese Weightlifting Federation? I can't imagine there's a lot of members in it. So is the how does the support kind of look from, from the Weightlifting Federation? Well, weightlifting in Malta is uh, relatively new. Like when I, when I started, I think there were only around two girls competing and then um, mostly just guys. It is still a small, a very small, federation, very small association of athletes, but we do have a great youth team. So um, we do have a lot of under 17s, under 15s, not many seniors. I, I believe, I honestly don't even know how many seniors there are. There are, there are a few of us, but not, not too many, especially on, on the competitive side. Um, however, our youth team is very strong. We actually had a, an athlete who medaled on the, at the online world that happened in December. She medaled, she medaled silver and snatch, uh, snatched 70 kilos at 49 nice. kilo category. Seen and jerked recently almost, uh, well, 89 kilos in the 49 kilo category at the European. So, uh, we also have a, a number of other athletes that are coming up, um, doing incredibly well, mostly girls. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the youth team looks incredibly promising. But, of course, they're still in school, so they're, they're not doing any international training camps just, just yet. Um, 
but yeah, the youth team is incredibly strong here. I, I look forward to see what, what the Maltese teams are going to look like in a few years' time. Yasmin, do you think the the success of the female youths at the moment is to do with you being so successful? Like if there was just two... I, I, I always, I kind of, I like to think that I, I had something to do with it. I mean, when, when I started, there weren't, there weren't many girls um, doing stuff like this. And I think immediately I, I got the attention of a lot of people here, especially because I have quite an active social media account. And, um, you know, before, whenever people would kind of recognize me, they would always get the sports wrong. They would always call me a bodybuilder. They didn't know much about it. Whereas now, I see such a huge difference. Like, so many people know what weightlifting is. And, um, of course, I'm immediately associated with the sport. And just the amount of girls that are doing it now is is great and i'm not saying it's because of me but i i really like to think that i maybe changed the way people thought about it here at least slightly actually i think that brings up a good point with your social media so you kind of have a balancing act between trying to train like a full-time weightlifter but also um kind of support yourself in some ways through social media how do you find balancing that yeah so um it's actually great that I can do that through social media because um, being able to act as an athlete influencer type, type of thing where I can promote stuff through my Instagram and use that as, as a source of income works out perfectly for me because the things I promote are things I actually use and it's my actual life. So this isn't like I'm the type of... Um, influencer that has to go the extra mile to promote something so I'm not, i would never accept work that is actual work so it's something that i'm not actually using myself in my everyday life so if i'm going to promote um products or apparel or stuff like this i mean you can tell it's things that i'm actually using so it's not such a big deal of course, it takes time to create content, and I take that very seriously. But um, it's easy to kind of include it in my everyday life. So if I'm if I'm talking about a protein bar, it's a protein bar I'm actually eating at that point in time. So it's very easy for me to talk about it. If I'm talking about a brand that I'm wearing, it is on me at that moment, and I'm training in it. And, I don't know if you, if you understand what I mean. Like it's just very easy to incorporate it into my life. Um, there are some like opportunities, and not only because I don't have time to do it, but also because I don't want to be uh, not genuine with my following. I would not choose to promote things that I don't actually use. So, by by being genuine, I think, in what I promote, it just makes my job a lot easier. Uh, so do you do this all yourself or do you have like an agency or a manager who helps you with this kind of thing? Or do you just go about Okay, yeah. So um, in terms of content, creating the content, I do it all myself. So coming up with the ideas on, you know, posts and taking the post pictures, editing and posting, I do that all myself. I have recently worked with a local um, agency where they would refer, let's say, um, 
if um if a brand approaches them and is looking for something here is there he'll suggest to me and then we'll kind of talk about it in that in that um kind of create a partnership in that sense but in terms of content creating and just the ideas that go behind it it is all me at the moment i have not yet decided to allow someone else to do it for me i do believe that um one day i'll have to because it just takes so much time but at the moment i am kind of managing to do it myself besides the actual time of the post yasmin is there anything else that you find like uh kind of negatively influences your training so do you ever feel like I need to go heavier on certain lifts to get a better video and to get better interaction? Yeah, um, no, I genuinely never ever uh, let that come in, in, in the way. So actually, when I'm training, I don't use my phone. So even though I do film my lift, what I will do is I will uh, record the entire session, which makes, which makes it worse because then I have to edit all the videos and stuff after. But just so when I'm in the session, I need to concentrate 100% on that session, no matter what, that's the priority. And um, I just leave my phone running, filming uh, from the beginning of the session, and then I won't touch my phone again until after I'm done. And if I miss a set, if it's, you know, if the program says it's up to this amount, I won't do anything extra, anything over, not even an extra set, just everything according to the program. That is the priority. It's always been um, the priority. And also I kind of realized that um, whether I post my absolute max or I post a lighter lift, if people um, don't really, they, they much rather just see something that's very genuine rather than just having to see something that's always super heavy all the time. So. It's worked so far. I've never felt the pressure to need to constantly post heavy lifts at all, which I guess helps a lot with my content. Do you have any plans for anything or is there anything you really want to do in the future with this kind of the social media side of things? Um, not, not, not really. I mean, I've never even thought about it in that sense. Whenever I think of like plans, it's usually everything to do with, you know, the actual lifting. But um. I definitely enjoy creating content, but there isn't there isn't like a main aim that I want to achieve um, in terms of Instagram fame, if that is if that is a good term to use. Um, I just I've mostly enjoyed it because since I do train alone and since I am um, I don't know I come from such a small island and it's. I genuinely just feel the support from all the Maltese people, especially, and, and even to have support from overseas is just bizarre for us because I come from, literally, you won't find us on a map. We are literally a dot. So hard to find us here. And to have so many people from abroad follow me and know who I am is, I don't know, kind of motivates me to just keep going. And especially if I have like a tough time, like when I'm injured, it's incredible how many people send messages of support and I am in general given a lot of positivity on my Instagram which is not heard of a lot like I hear a lot of people saying how much negativity they get and up till now I barely ever got any negativity on my Instagram honestly barely anything at all most people 99.9% of the time it's just people supporting and it's it's been great 
so far. I, I hope I don't get my <laughs> Don't worry, they'll get you. They're, our followers will get you, no problem. <laughs> okay. uh, so Yasmin, besides waiting to hear about Olympic qualification, what do the next few months look like for you? Yeah, so I always like to have um, everything like planned out in terms of obviously if the Olympics don't happen, um, I needed the plan for what would happen after that. And um, we do have the Commonwealth Games next year, which is a huge event for uh, the Commonwealth countries. Um, and the qualifiers for that start this year, at the end of this year. So if the Olympics don't happen, I would throw myself into getting a great qualifying spot for those games. And um, that would also include maybe training overseas because I could maybe push myself to go very high up in the, in the ranking for that. And those will be next year in Birmingham. I'm not sure the month, but I don't know if you guys know about the Commonwealth Games. I guess you yep. do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went, I went to the ones in Australia to, uh, in 2018. And uh, I had no idea how big these, this event was. I, I went there. I was just two years into the weight of things. I had no idea what I got myself into. I remember I had qualified uh, the last place exactly. So I was like, right in, um, very lucky to get into the game. And when I got there on competition day, I walked out on stage for the presentation of athletes. And I could physically feel myself about to be sick because the, <laughs> the stadium was sold out tens of thousands of people lights everywhere and i walked back in in the um, warm-up area and i looked at my coach and i told him what is going on what is this competition and he told me oh yes there weren't even this many people at the olympics and i kept looking at him like what do you mean i should have known this information i had no idea this competition was this big i had no idea um so now i'm even more pumped to kind of qualify and get an even better place because it is literally it's, it's basically i think the only competition that's second to the olympic games probably so that would be a very important competition to prepare for and how does that come like you said you felt like you were almost going to get sick because it was a surprise but do you find now that you've competed more do you really enjoy competition or do you still feel nervous oh yeah I am a competitive athlete 100% of the time. If I clean and jerk 100 in training, I know that that is equivalent to 110 in a competition because I, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like I'm almost a performer. Like when I'm on stage, the more people that are in the crowd and even more if they're like more teased people, like people from my country, if I'm competing here in Malta and there's so many Maltese people watching, it's the best I'll ever perform. In fact, last year we had an Olympic qualifier in Malta and I was incredibly sick the day before. Um, not sure if it was COVID at the time, to be honest, because it wasn't yet like determined. Um, and that day I remember in the warm up, I could feel my quad was, I could feel like a small tear in my quad. Like I, I could, something was very off with my leg but I I knew I could medal so I literally just I, do, I don't know what it is in warm-up I could barely lift um, 90 kilos clean and jerk and I went out and clean and jerk 107 for bronze and I literally only lifted it for the medal 
just because so many Maltese people came to watch. It was so surprising. Like it was full full house. So I kind of had to get it done for them. And that's when I realized more than ever that I really lift better when there are more people, when there are more people supporting. And it, it just gives me so much energy to kind of get a medal for my country on home soil. It was it was such a great event. So do you feel like you're more of a, a motivated by competition rather than numbers and training? So, Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely, 100%. I can... I don't know how to... I don't know. I know of some people that can lift a lot more in training than in competitions, and I always found that very strange because that's not me at all. Like, I... Everything is so much lighter for me in competition, and I'm not sure why because of course everyone feels the adrenaline in a competition but then why doesn't it affect everyone in the same way i'm not entirely sure but definitely a more competition for myself do you have long-term numbers in mind is there numbers or total that you would just you know you'd really like to hit or is there anything even the short term by the end of this year that you're thinking about you don't have to tell us if you if you don't want to say, but you can just give us a general. So, actually, this is funny because in 2016, I did an interview when I had just started for a multi-news uh, uh, TV channel. And I had said to the same question, I had said, when I snatch 90, I'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think, obviously, I need to get 98 ASAP now um, in a competition. Uh, of course, that would be a very big deal. The biggest clean and jerk in Malta wasn't even 90 when I started. In any ways, club, I believe. So yep. it would be massive for, for my country in general. But um, now more than ever, I just feel like when I come back from, from a training camp like I just did, I just realized that I've not yet tapped into my own potential. Yeah. Sometimes when I train alone for such a long amount of time, I kind of forget and or, or almost feel like I've kind of got to whatever max I possibly could. But uh, training camps like this really convinced me that it's not so. So, I mean, my numbers for 2021 would probably be, uh, if I get to 200 total this year, I think that is, I would be over the moon for sure. So 200 total, maybe 90, 110, something around those numbers would be great. I think looking from the outside at your lifting, it looks like there's there's a lot more like there, you know, in terms of if you compare yourself to Toma, you know, you're five, five and a bit, six years into weightlifting, like she's probably closer to 15 years into weightlifting. So, yeah, you know, yeah. five years is, it's a very short time in the sport of weightlifting for sure. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. It's just, um, you know, how much longer can I can I do this for, given that I am not um, incredibly young? <laughs> I mean, I'm not old, for sure, but I mean, I am 28 years old. Um, I do want to keep doing this for as long as I can. Um, but, you know, right now I feel great. Right now I feel like I can go on forever, but um, I'm sure anyone can understand when you're 
I'm sure it's injured or something like that. The, I don't know if, if I'll be able to do for incredibly long for 15 years. Let's say that I won't be able to do it for 15 years, but 10 years for six years for sure. So at the moment, Yasmin, who do you look at most for when you're kind of planning where you want to be in your career or uh, thinking about years down the line and when you might retire? Who do you look at as your main kind of source of motivation? Oh, there's so many. Um, I mean, Laurie, Laurie is obviously has always been one of like my biggest inspirations. Um, now even more so, just because she's so humble. I hope um, that great one day and remain that humble because I don't even know if I'd be able to snatch 114 in a competition and just act like it was nothing. I don't think I can. Um, but yes, I mean, there are other athletes um, who are also my friends now, which is bizarre to me, but like, let's say the British team, I know a lot of people from the British, a lot of athletes from the British team um, that I look up to, like Zoe Smith, Um there's so many though, I don't want to like name them because there's so, so many. Um, but they're actually the main reason I started lifting was because of Matthew Rogers. And it was just announced that she made the Olympic team and I got genuinely emotional for her because when I started, it was when she didn't make the team for uh, Rio. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I think everyone who followed her at the time was genuinely heartbroken for her and I was. Um, I had just started and she was the main reason that I even, you, you know, took took it on and continued lifting just because I, I thought she was so cool and I wanted to be just like her. So, um, yeah, I, she was definitely the main reason, one of the main reasons I, I really took it, took it on in the way I did. And I was super happy to see that she was announced. Obviously, it was to be expected that she was going to be part of the team, but I still got very emotional for her because it's been a long time coming. So, yeah, Matthew Rogers is definitely another another name I would put on that list. Will you? Do you think you'll pursue make use of that maths degree, or will you do something related to sport after weightlifting whenever that time ends up coming? Well, to be honest, I am doing a master's degree now because <laughs> I have no chill, um, and I'm doing a master's degree in. Um, in sports and physical education, which is a bit more of what I want to do with my life. Uh, the dream, actually, of course, I want to keep lifting for as long as I can, for as long as my body allows it to. Um, but the dream would be to keep myself involved in, let's say, the International Weight of the Federation, to be somehow involved in um, the association and the federation, sorry, um, not as an athlete, but as someone who's the organizational side. And I think knowing the sport so well as an athlete and, you know, um, studying the subject as well, it could give me a very good understanding and a very good um, position, I guess, in that sense. So, yeah, that would be the aim for sure. So, Yasmin, you knowing the sport really well now and you having like a grounding in sports when you're doing your masters what would you think would be the number one thing if a like a young guy or a young girl who's started doing crossfit classes and they wanted to be the international weightlifter what do you think you'd tell them if they were in crossfit yeah well 
to be honest, in, on our island, so here in Malta, we do have a few CrossFit gyms, and every single CrossFit gym has a representative from the Weightlifting Association that helps them with weightlifting. So, actually, I said every single one. I would say almost every single one, and it is a certified coach by uh, by the Malta Weightlifting Association. So, I think the way they're doing it in Malta in CrossFit gyms is great because no matter if you're a total beginner or someone who is uh, experienced in CrossFit, your weightlifting is always overlooked by a qualified weightlifting mm. coach. So I think that would be definitely the way to go in general in other gyms as well. Because um, I always like to take the example of gymnastics for me personally, because I did gymnastics for like seven years. Um, but I never studied to be a coach in gymnastics. So I would never coach gymnastics. I, I know the techniques quite well. I've done it myself, but I don't know how to, I would never coach it because I've never practiced coaching the sport. So you could be great at it and you could, you could look great doing it, but you always need someone who's qualified in that area to, to show you how to do things properly. And I think I say this more passionately than ever because I have, I still have so many mistakes that I picked up from my CrossFit years um, that I think if I, if they were addressed immediately, maybe I wouldn't have now, five years on. Um, so yeah, habits you pick up in the very initial uh, phases of practicing your, your sport um, will kind of stick with you very, very far along. So if you can do it with a certified weightlifting coach from the beginning, it would really help. Yes, we we always ask any of our guests we on is um, what's the, the dumbest thing you've done in training? Um, so the dumbest thing yeah, I've done in training. So we've got to know. Oh, well, I do a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> but in training... Well, actually, it was in a in a competition, um, and I would say dumb because it kind of affected my training for very long after. So basically, at Europeans, I at Europeans 2019, um, I was warming up for snatches, and I felt great in warm up, which I never do. I always feel really bad in warm up, so I knew something big was coming. But in my last snatch warm up, I felt like a like a tug on my thumb. And when I looked at my thumb, it was literally like all the way out here. Oh, so I, I dislocated my thumb completely. And my adrenaline was really high. And I didn't want to, I didn't want anything to affect my competition. So I didn't tell my coach and I didn't say anything to anyone. I just grabbed my tape that I had and taped my thumb back to my hand. No joke. Like I was like an oh insane person taping my thumb back down to my hand, said nothing, went out, uh, snatched a PR. It was great. Continue my clean and jerk. Then I was settling down and taking off my, my, <laughs> my tape. And my hand was like blue all the way down to here. And I just spent the rest of like the next month trying. In fact, it's this thumb and you can still, it's still, it's still a bit like, yeah never went back into place. <laughs> it was worth it though. It was dumb. Yes. I mean, something bad could have definitely happened, 
like my thumb being on the floor basically but um it didn't fall off and it was a great competition so it was worth it <laughs> that's that's sufficiently dumb that'll do yeah, yeah that's definitely one of the uh, that's worth it though sign of a good athlete yeah professional <laughs> Uh, is there anyone you want to any of your sponsors in particular that you want to kind of um give a shout out to or any anyone in particular you want to say anything to just before we we finish up um to be honest i'll forget someone for sure so it's best i don't perfect uh yasmin this yeah. has been great thanks for giving us your time really appreciate it i think people yeah. really enjoyed this one no problem it was my pleasure thanks very much yasmin really appreciate it no problem